Comedy is the mirror through which society can be seen. There we go. It can be concave, mm -hmm. it can be convex, mm -hmm. but it is always a true reflection of who we are. Eric. That was dropped in this episode by one Mr. Eric from Punchline Comedy Club, who was joined by the very, very fantastically, and you will understand it when you watch the episode. My goodness. The fantastically foolish. Yes, yes. Tiger Shira. Yes. Who is one of, if not the mm. best comedian in our country today. 100%. Um, I think we've just shot one of the most nuanced, complex episodes mm. about Kenyans and African society that kind of we've had mm. in a very, very long time. And it's just a testament to how intelligent and mm. how much thought goes into the arts mm. and mm. into the new sectors of entertainment that are coming mm. into Kenya today, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I learned a lot, man. Yeah. I don't know. Today's episode was an opportunity to go into a comedian's mind. Um, it's a fascinating place because for them to do what they do, we learn how much they need to know about the society they're in and how much they need to calculate and hone their skill to give you that kind of experience. So to actually sit down with them and they're not on stage just having a conversation with you was one of my favorite experiences. Um, also, of course, there is comedy in there. Of course, there's some vibes. But I really, really think you're going to enjoy this episode. If you ever want to know how comedians do what they do and maybe why they do what they do, then this hour is where you're going to find out. So I hope you enjoy. This podcast half as much. As we enjoy making it. Because we had a ball. We had a ball. Hey, enjoy, on. guys. Enjoy. 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 Hey, guys. Welcome back to another week of Mantalk.ke. Thanks for coming back every single week. Thank you for watching. If you're not sharing, please do. All the links to our socials are down below. Um, as you can tell, we're back at our home, which is Kafisi. So thank you, Kafisi, for being our location sponsor. We're back at Nine West, which is in the Nine West building in Westlands. And we're in the Knowledge Room, where you can host events, boardrooms. And if you want to come to Kafisi, you can come as an individual. You can come as a company. As a company, we recommend getting an office here. Or if you're an individual, use the social spaces here. So all the links for that is going to be down below. Please check it out. See the rates. See if it fits with yourself or with your company. And thank you, Kafisi, once more. Uh, today is very exciting. I think this season is the first time we've had two people as guests on set. So, oh, do you want to tell the people what's going on here? On the right side in the blue corner, we have the fantastic Mr. Eric Lusavali. There we go. Founder. Oh, you see that name? There Eric Lusavali. <laughs> Founder of the Punchline Comedy Club. Thank you. Uh, fantastic individual. Um, you will not believe uh, the wisdom this man has. Yes. And we have the fantastically foolish Mr. Tiger Shira. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic, the fantastically <laughs> foolish Mr. Tiger Shira, one of my favorite comedians who's also a lawyer. I can't yeah. wait to hey. kind of learn from this guy. Um, yeah. So guys, welcome to the show today. We yeah. want it to be absolute bands, um, yeah. as crazy as possible, man. Yeah. It's a huge honor yeah. um, to have you two on set. Um, off camera, we've had so many insightful conversations. My mind is still like yeah. combing yeah. through. And, and so guys, welcome, man. Um, and now we're at the bottom of the barrel. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> exhausted the whole topic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So how do you guys feel, man? How do you feel to be a man of Okay, Ty? Um, no, it's uh, I watch this, so it's it's good to be there. Also, I also know that you have a significant female audience, so that's the only reason I'm here today. Cause, uh, <laughs> hey, ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, in Kakua, Kibe. That's how you're feeling. That's how I told you. Fantastically <laughs> foolish. No, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, man. Eric, please. I feel amazing. It's it's such a pleasure to be welcome to like this this space. I think we've, we've tried to do this before, but then yeah. like we had different schedules and everything. Yeah. But it's always interesting because we interact on so many different levels and spaces. It's mm. interesting now for, for us to interact with you guys in your space because mm. most of the time we interact in our space. So yeah. this is very interesting. Very yeah. exciting. Karibuni yeah. sana. Yeah. 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 Santi. Yeah, yeah so okay. anyone yeah. watching, um, if you don't, if you're not familiar, these two are comedians. So I've always wanted to ask a comedian this because it's it's like a phrase that people say, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's true. They say that comedy is about timing, and I'm just curious. Is that <laughs> wow? Yeah, that was bad timing. 
I watched Oscar's face drop like buddy it's a podcast cool. <laughs> it's okay. yeah I was I was worried I was worried I, was like, I, was like, I, I thought I thought we're, he was we're, we're not I, <laughs> I honestly thought he was having a stroke I was yeah like, I was okay, worried yeah. I, I was I was worried I will not lie I nearly fell uh, off my chair <laughs> no that wasn't uh, actually the we question. will endeavor uh, <laughs> we will endeavor to <laughs> I'm joking sorry that was that was shocking I know I know that was the point no generally the actual first question is like this podcast is all about masculinity um and trying to change the narrative online about you know men in society today because i think there's a lot of toxic content out there mm-hmm. so our role when we started it was like let's be a positive light in society right now so we always like to ask to sort of counter what we see online um guys and girls that come on here what's one thing as men that you give to society that is positive i don't know if i can speak on behalf of men because there's lots of them out there but mm-hmm. uh, speaking as a person who is uh first of all i am a, 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 a brother i am a son i'm <laughs> i don't know but i think it's really down to two very simple things it's just common decency i think it's just common decency for me the lines don't even go through like oh it's men and women on one side or the other it's just common decency how would you like to be treated how would you want to be received in any space or with any regard and so it always just comes down to me is like we may draw very many lines and say oh this has to happen this has to happen but as a man i believe that my role in this life and in the next life is just to bring common decency uh, for everyone and also just offer the same opportunities that i have had because a lot of times you always speak about equality but it's about equity at the same time if we're looking at two people one of them needs to go up the stairs and maybe they're in crutches the stairs are the same like it's the same flight of stairs but if one person is in, is in crutches they need equity they don't need equality because that's the same staircase yeah yeah damn yeah. powerful i'd hate to go after that uh, time, <laughs> like, you know you know i was just thinking okay that answer out at answer oh he went to equity ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now, <laughs> like no but did you mean like men in general or specifically or as you contribute you to society. Men, yeah. um my dad would disagree but <laughs> 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 no but i think um first as a i think uh i use humor to make people laugh at themselves and be vulnerable in spaces where we are taught not to be vulnerable i think humor is a good space for us to to see the dark sides of ourselves and i'm happy that i have this gift that enables people to 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 be off guard as they express themselves yes mm. wow ah yeah. uh, yes uh, i am i am as surprised as you are, ladies and gentlemen uh, <laughs> <laughs> no no like like legit like you have no idea i'm such a fan uh, of the work that yeah, the both of you do and this will lead up to kind of my uh, the next question which is about kind of your origins and your upbringing right yeah. how give us a story of where you came from and um kind of your formative years and how that has contributed towards the men who you are today and kind of your vocation because you guys are just fantastically hilarious like mm-hmm. yeah, from a young age did you kind of discover comedy or did you find how when did you find <coughs> out that you're funny <laughs> basically no please go okay so um i i will tell guys i'm a rural to urban migrator I, i grew up in Nyeri and i came to Nairobi because that's where all the jobs were and <laughs> <laughs> so we are we are the guys you build a wall to keep out eh? <laughs> so like I would say Mexicans but you're not from the south so more of white walkers yeah <laughs> so because we're from the north but th- the thing is um we I think I grew up um in I think humor wise my mom was always the funniest person in in the house like she like a lot of homes people are raised with a lot of Hey, um we love you you're the best Nana. my mom raised us with a lot of banter like it was always like her, she expressed her affection with us with by making us laugh or y- using nicknames for us or she'd come and tell us how it happened today which made us laugh and i think maybe that contributed significantly to humor being a way of just life in general and expressing thoughts and things like that and having difficult conversations but also i think So I grew up um in a it, it wasn't it was like semi rural it's not Nairobi but I wasn't like in a village setting yeah, I get so that. so we uh, so school was a big part of cuz I I realized in school I wasn't athletic I wasn't the best looking person in in class I was you know, like the 
So what what was my thing? Like what would be your thing, right? Ty, you are fantastically good looking, sir. Mm. And athletic. No, puberty, and was, athletic. puberty was kind. No, <laughs> 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 I cannot quite have stories about that. But I'm saying, I'm saying, no, but I think with regard to humor, um, gr- growing up there really helped. And coming and having cousins like who come from Nairobi and tell you about yeah. the big city and all this that happened ha- made me have a lot of uh, different lives that I'd live. Because I'd go to school and it was a really nice school where they had swimming pools and everything. But then I still come back and like having a, a lot of lives that I lived as a small child really helped a big part of, of, of humor as I am now. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think I agree a lot with what Ty is saying. Um, for me, it was quite different. I, I, even right now, I still question if I'm funny or funny looking is one of those. But <laughs> one of them, definitely. one of them, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was very difficult for me growing up because um, I, I'm, I, this just came like recently. But then back then, people didn't know what neurodivergence was. So you find that a lot of times a lot of people do not understand how someone who has neurodivergence basically functions. So up until this point, I feel like a lot of what um, I consider humor or whatever is actually uh, an acquired, like it's learned behavior for me. So it's learned behavior. It's about being able to observe a condition and look at it from very many different levels. So growing up, I didn't really think I was, I was, I was funny. Yeah, just just yeah. not to stop you, but <clears throat> what exactly is neurodivergence? Oh, so neurodivergence is basically what they call people on a spectrum. So you have like an autism spectrum. So you have one side of the spectrum that has people who have very like lots of difficulties in terms of learning or even functioning. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you have what they call highly functional individuals. So you have people who have maybe Asperger's. And so this is a person who uh, may be able to like consume information and keep it and store it and transmit it and function very highly. But then that comes at the price of you're not, for instance, all my emotional awareness is a land habit. So at times I may speak to someone and for me, it's really about getting from point A to point B. It's not really, I don't know how to navigate those social situations. So when someone asks me, how, how was that performance? It's like, that was terrible. Instead of me saying, oh, you know, you could have done this. So all of those situations are very land. And I think Ty will attest to this. Like even when I was first joining the comedy community, a lot of people thought I was a horrible person. But then it's simply because... Thought. (laughs) Still think. Uh, But it's simply because those are traits that I have to learn. So it's it's, it's something that's very taxing, but it's also something that's very important because then you learn how to appreciate other people's perspective because it doesn't come naturally. So when people are like, oh, empathy. So for instance, if someone loses uh, a loved one, the first thing I think is not like, oh, that's horrible. It's a huge loss. The first thing I think is, do they have hospital bills? How are they going to settle that? What role was this person providing in their lives in terms of providing uh, security, in terms of providing financially? Those are the thoughts that come to my head. So a lot of times my wife is always like, that is great. But the first thing you're going to say is, I am so sorry. And so mm-hmm. it is all land behavior for me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike, oh my I didn't know that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, telling you, yeah. this podcast today. Fascinating. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. the source. Okay, please ask the next question. Yeah, please. please. So uh, I'm curious, like within an African context, mm-hmm. right? Nurturing the talent of somebody that is funny yeah. is not like the linear path. You don't think, yeah. I want my son to be a comedian. Yeah. So how was the journey from like formal education to deciding this is what I want to do because I believe you went into law. Yeah. So I'm curious to know those paths from being like, mom, dad, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Or even you at that formative age, like this is the path I want to go down. Yeah. When was that realization that I want to go into comedy mm-hmm. for both of you? Yeah. Yeah, I think like there's a there's a movie, I think, I don't know whether it's Disney or Pixar, which didn't I watched sometime last year, called Soul. And I, that was, I think, one of the best animation movies I've watched because for the first time I was watching a movie and the star was a middle-aged man. Mm. who was still trying to find his purpose in life, right? Yeah. And for me, comedy came like way, way later in life. I didn't even think that it was like a thing I'd pursue because I used to be a dancer. I remember we won some national event that time when when Step Up was a big thing. I was mm. I was, I was the guy for chatting. Hey. Okay, now guys, let's go one, two, one, two. <laughs> and what then, was the name of it? Because it was based in Nyeri, I'm sure. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, so that was, was so this was when I, when I came to Nairobi. Insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, we, we, it was, it was, it was, we were called Incense and then we there's a, something called Spa Fest. Yes, yes. Yo, so so like we want perfect. Huh? So you're an incense. Yeah. 
How you doing? Hi, 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 this is a celebrity. Yeah. Who's fantastically foolish now? Who's fantastically foolish? So, like, I, I always liked art. Like, yeah. then I, 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 I tried... Um, uh, Sparfest, that's uh, uh, Slum Africa. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, I became number two at Slum Africa because that time I was told, your comedy is too humorous. Like, I mean, your, your, poetry, your poetry is too oh, humorous. Yeah. Like, yeah. you like, you know, like, poetry is very, how do I put it? Um, victimy. Mm. Oh, we are black and we have been killed and we have been la 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 la. Yeah, then you yeah, snap, yeah. snap, snap. <laughs> and then, but comedy is like almost like the right wing of art. Mm. Like, we make fun of situations as yeah. they are. So, for me, it's like it, it was a journey that went on, but. I think the first time where my folks really accepted that, okay, this guy is a proper comedian, was when they saw a newspaper clipping. Mm. Yeah, because my, <coughs> I had told my dad I was doing comedy, because mm. I had picked it up um, because after I left Spoken Word, um, I, 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 there's, there's, some, there's, there's something called BYSS, you know, because you, oh, say, it's you a, say so, yeah. the improv yeah. thing with Jason Runo. And yeah. so the thing is, I was really broke at the time, mm-hmm. and they, I always wanted to go to the show. But it was really expensive for me at that time mm. to go to the show. But then this one time, I they, they sent out flyers saying that stand-up comedians wanted, mm. right? So this girl tells me, I think you're funny, right? Mm. And I'm like, you know, if you're a guy, like, <laughs> 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 that's what, so I've heard. You know, but I'm saying yeah. the thing is, I wanted to take a girl out yeah. to watch BYSS, but I could not afford the tickets. Mm. So the only way I could get into BYSS was if I applied to be a stand-up comedian. So I didn't really care for being a stand-up comedian. Yeah. I just want to take someone out yeah. Mm. Yeah. and yeah. then have a good time and be funny and just look at, look at my heroes just making people laugh, right? Mm. So when we got there, that's when I, 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 I went on stage. It was horrible. I, I, mm. It was like no one is... Very people are really good the first time they try comedy. Mm. Oh. But it was decent, right? Mm. And I think that's when I met other comedians who told me, Yo, there's a scene mm. I think you like. I had like two jokes that I used to say everywhere. Mm. Like th- that worked, you see? Mm. And I think that's how I got into the into the comedy scene. And now that's mm. when I think I, I started meeting other comedians and got like... Before I, I was a stand-up comic, I was just like, I enjoyed the, the camaraderie that around it. It was mm, something yeah. that you could be good at. There wasn't too much pressure like poetry. Mm. We mm. were underground, so mm. I really enjoyed it. I think that's how I got into mm. Yeah. How did the date end? Sorry, I have to ask. No, she, she enjoyed it. She, yeah. She's uh, like, we. It, anything wrong that happened after that was not because of... <laughs> not because <laughs> of the... Not because of yeah, the yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're performing. Okay, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will never know. We will never <laughs> <Listen>. know. <laughs> um, so please. I think for me, it was different. I, I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking I, I was funny. I, I, I really didn't know how to get into it so by the time i was getting into it unfortunately none of my parents were alive so the person who mm. is basically the only family i have in the world is my brother like other than my wife and like kind of her family like my brother is the only and my brother is one of those guys who are uh, growing up he, he we have an age gap of almost nine years actually almost 10 years so it's nine years uh 11 months and a couple of days like it's a huge gap but he was very good at what he did mm. he was extreme like he he even right now he says oh i'm going to learn french and two weeks later this guy is an intermediate like speaker of french mm. he just picks things up and he was mm. very good so it was always a lot of pressure for me to try and keep up with what he'd said but mm. he's one of those guys who's really supportive so he didn't understand exactly what it was, but he was mm. like, oh, yeah, because when we were younger, he'd, I'd be like, he'd be like, oh, I'm bootlegging like films and stuff. What do you want to watch? And I'd be like, oh, I'd want to watch some Def Jam comedy. And he'd basically mm. bootleg that for me and I'd watch it. So mm. by the time I was telling him about stand-up comedy, he was like, oh, that's, that's, that's nice. Mm. Uh, go for it. But we did a show this year, Distant Relatives, and that's the first time he came and saw what it is we do. And he was just blown away. And he was just like dude like i'm so proud of what you're doing i mm. i really and he this is the same guy who's basically taken money and given it to me he's like um here's two thousand dollars towards your mm. your comedy thing yeah. so yeah. um yeah i think for me i'd say as 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 far as family goes like my brother has been extremely supportive even though he did not understand what it was he was very very supportive mm. but by the time i was getting into it like seeing that i didn't have lots of family or friends it was just like a thing so for me it's been one of those very lonely journeys that you always take mm. 
Yeah. But you just take it because mm. there's nothing to lose. That's yeah. that's the mm. thing. I always say the most dangerous people in the world is uh, a man without fear and a man without uh, anything to lose. Yeah. So I always I'd always just be like I'm going to do this and you just do it because mm. you don't have enough people to like admonish you mm. or stop you or whatever. And I feel like that is a gift and a curse because yeah. for a lot of comedians even right now within our circle yeah. For them to tell their parents that I'm going into stand-up comedy, I've had very difficult conversations with some of the comedians in our, like their parents in our scene. Like a parent calls you and says, "Why would you let my son do this?" Mm. Uh, there's one comedian whose uh, parents are abroad and he lives here, and he basically quit school to focus entirely on comedy. Wow. And they called me and they said, "How could you do this? Do you know how much money we've spent on this kid?" And I was like, "How could I do this? Mm. How could you do this? Not let this guy pursue this?" Yeah. So I think perceptions are changing, but for a lot of people, like the barriers to entry, I think we are very lucky to have yeah. that type of support because the barriers of for entry for a lot of comedians who are in the scene right now mm. are so 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 high. Mm. Yeah, I hear that, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I just had to ask, like mm-hmm. your personal journey with conceptualizing comedy as mm-hmm. being a vocation, yeah, um, and conceptualizing comedy as being probably one of the biggest entertainment markets yeah. in Kenya. Yeah. I wanted to know that from you. How was your journey in kind of seeing a market and making it? Uh, mm. um, I think, for especially for Punchline Comedy, is that um, Punchline Comedy is a brand of uh, a company called Sticks and Stones. It's a creative collective that does so many different things because we, we have all different like creators within the, the outfit. Yeah. But at that particular time, by the time we were starting uh, Punchline Comedy, it was because we had been doing like lots of events. We'd done like 6 a.m. events, like uh, electronic dance music. We had organized corporate events. We'd done even literally events with guys like Story Mocha. So we had a lot of experience. And by the time we were getting into the game, there were already pioneers. There were guys like Doug Mutai of Stand Up Collective who already mm. started something with uh, Karura Comedy Club. Mm. Uh, him, Emmanuel Kisiangani, I think Amandeep Jagde, Mamitu Yunus. All of these guys had started something. And there was another guy called Brian Onjoro outside Nairobi Comedy Club. Mm. However, by the time I was coming onto the scene, you could see a lot of gaps. Mm. And unfortunately, as, as, as a person, uh, my personality is really about structure. I think even when, so when we're in the writer's room with Ty, Ty can, says, I can always know what jokes Eric wrote because there's a way that mm. they're structured. So I'd come in and I'd see a lot of like gaps and I'd be like, oh, we can fix this and we can change this and we can make this into this. But those guys, uh, number one, already had, if if you have your own thing, it's very different when someone else comes in and says, change mm. this. Yeah. So it got to a point where I was like, there are efficiencies that we can basically evolve and make better. There's a way for us to be able to give opportunities to more people, expand it, uh, basically make it faster, stronger, smarter by investing in this. But then also looking at it is because very early on, I think it was in 2013, I'd spoken to a friend of mine who was based here. I think he's still based here. His name is Eric. He used to have a, <clears throat> a, a restaurant called the Karag at uh, the Ngong Racecourse. Mm. And I was like, the next big thing is stand-up comedy. And he was like, find comedians. I'll give you this space. You can do whatever you want with this. You can do whatever you want with this. Find comedians. And I couldn't find comedians, but there was a lot of work that was going. So by the time we were discovering like comedians, like being there, I had already thought there is a market here. Because mm-hmm. when you think about it, Kenya has done everything. We bring in the biggest stars. Mm-hmm. So we bring in Conscience. We bring in, I don't know, Shaggy. We bring in Diamond. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done everything in terms of uh, film. We mm-hmm. have Lupita Nyong'o's from here and everything. Mm-hmm. But the one segment that we not looked at is comedy. And at that time already we had Churchill who was doing lots of comedy. But a lot of times it was very difficult, especially for people in my circle, to relate to it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I remember the guys who went for the Laugh Festival and they came out and they were so upset because they said we couldn't understand anything. Mm-hmm. It was all, they do a setup in English and then the punchline is in Swahili every single time. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, uh, the idea was there's a gap here. There's a gap here. Mm-hmm. And if we can do this and we can evolve very, very quickly, it's going to lead to a point whereby there are people who are earning money because I've mm-hmm. seen it happen abroad. I've seen people, music making people ridiculous amounts of money, poetry, writing, film. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Things like uh, Russell uh, Simmons of Def Jam, he made Def Jam comedy the biggest thing there was. Mm-hmm. So already, even from back then, I knew that this is the next frontier. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I think for me it would be different with because Eric at least he talks as a Eric has a perspective of the institution, right? Yeah. As an individual, when I tell this could be a vocation was I'm I think 2018, um I told myself when I turned 30, if comedy has not brought me anything, money wise or satisfaction wise, I'm out. Right? Mm-hmm. So I turned 30 this year. And the day I was turning 30 is when we were wrapping up uh, TMI. Uh, a TV show mm-hmm. with my name. And mm-hmm. that's the same time we were coming from uh, distant relatives where we had like guys from South Africa. And so like, I remember when we were going out after that night, I was like, yo, this was the day I was supposed to quit comedy. Like this was, because wow. I'm going to give this everything. Every I'm going to write every day. I'm going to push and see if, if I can just be on someone's stage for five minutes, I'm going to take them. If 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 the opportunity comes for me to even host a birthday party for a two-year-old, mm-hmm. we are baby shacking that day, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> now, but at least, so like I, I told myself, if by by the time I turn thirty, and this comedy is going nowhere, yeah, I, I I try to be very pragmatic about mm-hmm. uh, about life, mm-hmm. but with some sense of idealism. Like I'll, I'll mm-hmm. my idealism will I'll push it up to a certain place and be like, okay, so. What's, what are the results? What are the results? Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, and is indeed an inspirational story come from both of you. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, from Eric's perspective, because he's playing the whole market yeah. and he's seen a gap and he's filled it rather successfully. And obviously, yeah. we'll get into details yeah. um, about that. And from your perspective, because when I discovered, in fact, when I discovered Punchline, yeah. I discovered Punchline through you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the kind of the content strategy that Punchline has employed yeah. is to get your content you know online and when i saw it uh, and i told you this off camera yeah. the most interesting thing about uh, your your brand of comedy for me was the contrast like yeah. you deliver stories with such interesting contrasts mm-hmm. and you socially kind of critique the society i'm in yeah. in a way that even i'm like yeah but this guy like there's a lesson in everything yeah. he says yeah. Yeah. and man it's been uh, just incredible um to kind of experience you guys live and i encourage anyone who's kind of watching this to experience punchline comedy oh live God, and yeah. tiger shiro's oh show as well yeah, on tv yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um so you've mentioned you know how you've kind of made it a vocation but as an audience member a lot of the time we get to see the final product right we get to see what's happened behind the scenes and i've always been curious to know as comedians the process of thinking somebody is going to laugh at this like where do you guys draw from and how do you at the risk of like you know ruining it for the audience like how do you actually get to that point that this is going to be said on stage mm. like what's that journey like I'm very curious um yeah, you want i think i think it's different for everyone oh. i think it's different for everyone and and i always i always say this before we start our shows i always say the role of the audience members they may not like what we have to say mm. but it is their duty to defend our right to say it because wow. i think that <laughs> yeah stand up comedy plays a very important role in that it's uh it's a retrospective introspective and a perspective look at ourselves and society rewind that say it again so it's a retrospective uh-huh. introspective so we're uh-huh. looking back that we're looking inside and then we're looking forward For perspective, perspective. Yeah. and that's very important and that means that it's very difficult for you to be vulnerable enough to get a mic and get on stage. It yeah. is one of the yeah. hardest things to do. Yeah. yeah. And so the process of choosing, oh, I'm going to start this and I'm going to say this on stage is very different for each comedian, mm-hmm. but the one thing that I know binds us all is that there's a truth inside us that we truly believe mm-hmm. and we want to share that truth with other people. I always mm-hmm. say Stand-up comedy is about finding enough people who agree with your madness. So the more mm. people who agree with your madness, the less mad you are. Yeah. 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 But that process of sitting down and saying I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this, mm. it's a truth. There's mm. a truth inside mm. us that we see something and we're like mm. I wonder how many other people agree or see this the same way I yeah. see it. Yeah. Or I wonder how many people do not see it the same way I see it, but as soon as I express it they'll be like, "Ah, yeah, that's that's true." This guy is talking facts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah. my yeah. my thinking. So the yeah. process is always for me. It's always I have this truth, yeah. and I want to share this truth. So at times you write down your set and you go on stage and say it. Yeah. Sometimes you just go on stage with an idea and you're like, I'm going to let this idea breathe and walk, mm. and we see where it goes from there. Yeah. And then 
you rec- like a lot of and people don't know this and this is behind the scenes a lot of us comedians record our audio and video not for putting out but for us to be able to listen back and say oh okay there's something there or i could have done that better yeah it's yeah. incredibly detailed isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah. and i think right. eric has spoken to the substance of of what you write maybe i'll speak more to the technique right mm. um comedy like two people can tell a story and you want to listen to that person tell the story like your friends mm. could have, but yeah. the person you want, i need to hear you tell the story right yeah. yeah so the comedian is yes he has something to say right but how does he say it to you in a way that you will want to hear mm. what he has to say right mm. and so that's where now the techniques of comedy get in right because mm. um it's like every person has that spark like there we have that je ne sais quoi like there's mm. that thing you have that mm. i don't have and if i wanted mm. to have it right mm. But then now there's the the structure element of mm. that I need you to get these basics correct yeah. so that whatever comes out after that is mm. good. Mm. So mm. like I need you to 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 work on your stage presence, right? Mm. I need you to to find your voice. I need you to see can there are things in comedy we call the rule of 3, mm-hmm. callbacks, there are things we we call um like diversions, you mm. see. Right. It's like it's like just coming down and telling someone, "Oh guys, you will not believe what" These guys, they, our local Kinyozi was arrested Jana for selling bar. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I didn't even know he was a Kinyozi. Yeah. <laughs> see, so, like there's that because you see, comedy is taking you on a journey. Yeah. And then twisting it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the, the technique around comedy is yeah. I'm creating tension. Yeah. And the bigger tension I have to create, the better I must be at diffusing yeah. the tension you see right so like so like with, with that joke i, I know my, i did it for, first of all like when i said hey my mom called me yesterday and she was like yo hi son how you doing praise god i just joined the lgbtq lgbti community and i'm like okay mom what's that she's like oh yeah my bible study is called let's go back to israel <laughs> so you've created tension right mm-hmm. and then when you diffuse the tension mm-hmm. now that's yeah. coming so eric talked mm-hmm. the substance of what we want to talk about yeah mm-hmm. and now the technique is what makes You are ranta yeah. and this person a comedian. Yeah. How yeah. do you discover the techniques? Is it try and error? Is there like pressure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is there a At at first te- it's maybe everyone has like a natural knack mm. for for maybe humor, but then when you get into it you realize I want to become a pro. Like I mm. want to be bec- I don't want to become a run of the mill kind mm. of guy. People mm. have done this before. People have written books about comedy. People mm. have mm. So like now today I, I'm writing I want, to, I want to talk about I don't know politics. Mm. But inherently I want to test a technique like a callback. You see like you know mm. when you watch Kevin Hart and he says all right all right all right in the beginning right yeah. at first it's not funny mm. yeah but the time he saying it at the end yeah, so a callback is something it's a, it's a, it's our secret between the audience yeah. like mm. I, i told you something but i'm going to bring it up later you don't know it's good, but that's oh. so by the time i see it back this time it's yeah. like so hilarious yeah. because you are not like Dave Chappelle's writing his joke exactly. backwards exactly. you see yeah. so yeah. what makes a good comedian and a bad comedian is not necessarily what they said cuz comedian should be allowed to talk about whatever mm. it's the technique in which they're working with yeah man I, i i guys like man i'm enjoying this podcast yeah, no we, just, we just we just enjoy it yeah, like, we just enjoy it like yeah. we just like ah oh, enjoy send the invoice tight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh man and this is why i called you guys fantastically foolish because you guys are fantastic at like making something so kind of scientific mm. and so nuanced mm. um to come out in life and 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 there's a podcast I, I enjoy called Diary of a CEO and um in Rory Sutherland's um interview he said the person the people the kind of the person he looks up to the most is um I think it's one of the people is Dave Chappelle because mm. comedians are one of the most nuanced people most complex human beings because they have mm. such an understanding of society mm. um and politicians are come off as the more bland boring mm. and how we wish sometimes that um comedians could occupy these seats because mm. they perhaps could critique society yeah. in a more realistic and real way enter yeah. ukraine it just happened like i didn't even it didn't even take him two seconds he already like you get yeah. what i mean like that like ah oh man i'm so happy to be here um yeah, yeah. so i'll just move on to the next question before i get too excited mm-hmm. um i wanted to kind of kind of poke your brain on an incident that happened in America obviously um, between two comedians mm-hmm. and the slap hard across the world right mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. is there what was what are your thoughts when it happened uh, between Will Smith and Chris Rock and what what did that mean for comedy culture even here in Kenya were there any did that slap get here mm. and mm. what was your interpretation of the event as comedians mm. yeah i think Ty, you can go first oh, wow <laughs> um, <laughs> so i think that slap had three perspectives right mm. 
Yeah. And for every perspective, there are people behind it, yeah? Yeah. There was Chris Rock, yeah? A comedian who ideally could throw barbs at you and you know it's all in good taste. I mean, you're a celebrity, you have all those things. I mean, you could take a joke. Life is good for you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, we had Will, right? Who I think he felt the desire to defend his wife or to do whatever it is. Because, you know, him, he has his problem. Like, mm-hmm. we, if we side on Will Smith, we don't. And, and I've read his book. Mm-hmm. And How so have we? Yeah, and I've, I've, read, I've read his book. I'm, okay, I'm not finished it, but I'm serious it right now. <laughs> it's because it's the, my current book. Right? But he talks about how a big part of him was he, he had to get a woman approval for a lot of things he did. Like, a lot of things he did in life, mm-hmm. there was a woman behind them, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have Jada, right? She's losing hair. Um, so someone makes fun of it, right? And so, and you know, like I was just saying, in Kenya, when we lose hair, it's mbwe mbwe. In America, it's <laughs> alopecia. <laughs> but they're, they're just, at its core was, yeah. I'll, my bias is with freedom of expression and freedom of speech. Yes. I, I feel that um, she was, like, she Jada, where she was, did not, like, what does she lose from that joke? Like, if you listen, he'd made fun of so many more people before that, but mm-hmm. when he got to her, and now I think Will Smith was just at a place where, you know, like, if you notice when I talk to girls about it, especially black women, they enjoyed that slap, because then they like, they, they're not pro-violence, but violence that protects them, they're like, yeah, yeah, that, you, me, I want my man to just slap someone in case someone mm-hmm. talks smack, right? And I think if he'd said that outside of comedy, he deserved the slap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because he was saying that on a stage, Mm. I feel so Will was wrong. He just apologized. Chris mm. hasn't accepted the apology, but mm. Will apologized. So like, yeah, I feel not because, I'm not saying go make fun of people's girlfriends and wives, you'll get smacked. Mm. What I'm saying is on a stage and you've come to this space, you know what we're about. Yeah. Mm. Like mm. don't come here and like don't, don't be by a swimming pool and then be pissed when you get wet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I agree entirely. And I think we're biased because mm. we yeah. are yeah. talking. Yeah. We have a bias. We have, we a, have a bias. bias. Yeah. But mm. it's, it's always, and just in relation to that, the funniest mm. thing is that the people who are always most offended by the things we say on stage are the people who are the farthest away from it. My mm. friend, uh, mm. True. So Keep yeah, just just <laughs> continue. So uh, these talk, people, talk. These, let me tell no, you. Listen, I, I Eric asked that question. <laughs> Eric because I wanted a Eric critique. So, so, so the thing is, for uh-huh. instance, we've had occasions when we were doing our comedy. Mm-hmm. There's one time we made fun of a, a celebrity or a person who's basically very high up in profile and whatnot. And the friend came and said oh, you know, this person would be very upset at that. Why would you do that? Why would you say that about this? And then when we met the celebrity, they were actually laughing at the joke we were making. So in the same way that, first things first, I feel like everything, I always say this, the stage is sacred. It is. The stage is sacred. Whatever is said on that, and again, I repeat this, you may not like what we have to say, but you have to defend our right to say it. Because as soon as we start drawing lines, we say, you cannot talk about alopecia. Then it will become, we cannot talk about corruption because that person has not been sentenced. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes, you cannot talk about sexuality because you're not A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. You cannot talk. So we start- I think you're going to use other letters. Yeah, okay. (laughs) 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 But we we start drawing those lines and that space becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And, smaller. Mm. and you'll notice that in history, every single time you have an authoritarian regime come into power, the mm. first thing that goes away mm. is basically the arts. Yeah. Yeah. It's the arts. The yeah. space shrinks because of that. Mm. And so by Will Smith climbing that stage, and this is a performer. Yeah. This is a person who's very much in the space. Done comedy. Yeah. He's done comedy. Yeah. He is a performer. He has done things in the past that when you go back and you look at it, that's what way you was mm. Mm. To, to get up on that stage and feel the need to defend his woman physically. Mm. Mm. Because I always say escalation comes when one person chooses a different form of response from what was issued. Mm. So if, if he said something, Chris Rock said something about my wife, an even response is something, me saying something about his wife. But like Ty said, this person, there's a reason a stage is always elevated. Mm. It means that that person is talking to us Mm. and we are here as an audience. Mm. 
and you choose whether you can be an audience or not. Mm. Best reaction he would have done if he was stood upset, up stood up with his wife, left. Mm. But mm. at the same time, like Ty said, uh, there's, there's basically a show that happens in Las Vegas. It's really crazy. It's about a guy who's basically smashing fruit with a massive mallet. That's the whole act. Yeah. And when you come, they give you all these like PVC sheets so that when he's smashing a watermelon, it doesn't splash on you. You basically cover yourself. But if it gets on you, you cannot sue that guy and say, you need to clean my clothes. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Chris Rock had every right to talk about whatever he was talking about on yeah. that particular stage. Yeah. Will Smith's job at that point was to defend Chris Rock's right to say whatever he was saying. Yeah, thank so, you yeah. so and true. i think also you know being a culture where um the if i'm offended it means i'm right you mm. see mm. like at mm. its core is the greater my feeling of offense the mm. greater my my righteous indignation about it right yeah. so if um and let's say now i'm going to bring it here in kenya right mm. in mm. kenya we have a an upper middle class upper and middle class who are primarily our biggest audience who let's say have gone abroad and come back or consume a lot of abroad material, right? Mm. Yeah. In Kenya, they are the most privileged class of all, but because of the the biases they've taken from around the world, they take a victimhood with them. You see? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like the like the I was like the average Kenyan does not complain about racism, generally. You see, yeah. at mm. alchemist or whatever it is, in Kenya, <laughs> it's it's in Kenya it's a privilege to even access racism from a white person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if you make racism your thing, like. Me, my, my, bro, if you're dying in Kenya, your tribe is going to be more, you know, you're going to die than, 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 race, race. than race, yeah? <laughs> so the thing is, you're loud about it yeah. in the sense that first racism is wrong. Let's get to that. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. fact. Yeah. But you're not, you're not talk, you don't talk about when our, our house ups are killed in Arabia. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a proper racism issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Wahindis in, in the Australia area just doing things to it, you see. Yeah. But for you, I, I access a different class of racism, right? Mm-hmm. Like I... I'm, I'm at a different place of, and it's not just now with race, with sexuality, where the mo- our most privileged classes yeah. have taken the button of offense. Mm. Like it's now, they're the ones who are now protector of the offended yeah. without mm. realizing. And the people who they think are offended are having the times of their lives. Yeah. But mm. them, it's like, how dare you say that about us? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, yeah, yeah. 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 I always say it like, um, a perfect example I give mm. is when somebody can put so much effort into something that um, for someone else not in their demographic, it looks like, how do you even think about that? Mm. I equate it to, um, you know, old people, they don't have much going on in their life, mm. not to sound mean. But like, so whenever you meet them, the kind of stories they'll tell you mm. is like about a voucher that wasn't accepted somewhere, right? Mm. So for them, that's like, I want to talk about this for like yeah. half an hour. Yeah. But for you, somebody that's like going through school, you've got exams, like, I don't I don't care about your, yeah, yeah. your voucher. voucher. That's how I, how I always equate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, there's something in my eye, guys, I'll be honest with you. Something <laughs> uh, I'm curious about now the, the dark side of comedy, uh, yeah. right? I always look at someone like Jordan Peele. Mm. And I think one of the things I heard him say in an interview is that comedy and horror, Mm-hmm. A parallel, right? Mm-hmm. A parallel. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know how you navigate the dark side and how that's been in your journey of comedy because I always hear that it's right by each other. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'll say is that um, for people who seek validation from others, mm. you, like the audience always needs to understand we are up there trying mm. to make, like, uh, there's a guy called Maina Murumba, one of the stand up comedians, and he, he said this like so genuinely, like it, it sort of hurt me. He said, we just want you to love us. That's it. We just mm. want you to love us. And you find that a lot of the things that we talk about on stage, it's almost like therapy sessions. So mm. there's a lot of darkness that comes with what we talk about on stage. There's mm. a lot of, like they say most times, and Ty never agrees with this, is that mm. humor comes from a very dark place. Mm. But that's because Juba. we go... Mm. <laughs> That's why he doesn't agree. <laughs> but we go to the places, we go to those enclaves that are the darkest. Yeah. Mm. For us to be able to find something funny about that. Yeah. But you find that when we get off that stage, if if you, you'd interrogate exactly what we were talking about, when you get off that stage, these are either very personal elements that we, we are experiencing or the things that we've spent so much time pondering. Mm. So when I go on stage, mm. Mm. Uh, there's, there's a time I did a joke and it was very dark mm. I, I did a joke and i said um guys they just found 29 bodies at rivayala and mm. that's really sad but the saddest thing about that is that uh the other rivers have been slut shaming rivayala they're like how many bodies what's your body count and rivayala is like it's 29 but two don't count they were my boyfriend like that's a very dark that's place okay. yeah. but yeah. it's the amount of time i have spent thinking about extrajudicial killing 
Mm-hmm. It's the amount of time I've spent about mm. agonizing about what are these people's families thinking if you had someone who had disappeared mm. and the 29 bodies that have been found. The thought process for me is like you're hoping that one of those bodies is not yeah. your relative, is not your brother, is not your sister. But you're also hoping for closure. You're like, I hope that mm. conflict mm. is something that comedians interrogate so very many times mm. so that by the time you're going on stage to tell a joke about a very dark thing or tell a very dark joke, mm. it is not a joke to us. Mm. Yeah. It is not a joke to us. Mm. It it may seem like we're joke, we're taking something very lightly. There are a lot of people who attack Dave Chappelle about uh, him and talking about the trans community. But this person has sat down and interrogated mm. that particular subject. And their relationship with and society. And their relationship with society. And he's not poking fun at them. I say comedians are a mirror to society. And yeah. we're concave, we're convex, we have all those mirrors that make you look skinny, make you look big. Mm. Like all of those are basically mirrors. All the mirror does, it, it reflects back what it's receiving. It doesn't create any imagery. So the darkness that we see is something that has been interrogated on so many levels. So even the lightest of jokes, if you sit down with a comedian and you ask them, how did you come up with this? Our writer's rooms tend to just disintegrate. Our our workshops tend to disintegrate because you start asking, oh, what about this? And then the person tells you the thought process behind it and you're like, yo, this person Mm. is dealing with mm. yeah. you need to speak to someone yeah. Yeah. oh my god yeah. I, no I think um, dark humor was the quality in South Sudan humor it's like oh my god I, I don't think <laughs> it's like yes we are from oh. I always say no one who had a who was good looking, grew up well, was raised right, becomes a comedian. Right? Because they never had to try to be. I'll, the joke yeah. I do about how, you know, you're the ugly one in your friend group if you're the funny one. Yeah. Because right? in the sense that you did, you had to, I always say our people's, uh, p- comedians' personalities were bathed in fire. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they, you either become a serial killer <laughs> or, or a comedian, right? Yeah, yeah. And so for every comedian I see, I'm like, that's one less onyancha we have, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> so because unless they're multitasking. Yeah, it's, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so it's the because at its core, actually, a lot of comedians, and then if, when you think about, it, there's a lot of validation you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I always say only strippers are more vulnerable, and that's arguable, right? Yeah. And and also like you know, also there is some sort of masochism there. Yeah. But I'm going to go on a stage, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hope that you laugh. Yeah, and you don't laugh, and I still come back the next day. Yeah. You know the yeah. the punishment. You you know Kenyan places are like Kenyans are come to our show to find out if we're funny. Mm. Mm. They don't come to to laugh. Yeah, they come. Oh, okay, yeah, it's mm. good. I see. Make me laugh. Yeah, like, no, I see. Because yeah. comedy is the only job you have to prove on the spot. Yeah. Oh, you're a comedian. Okay, make make, make me laugh. make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like no one ever goes to an accountant and be like, oh, you're a comedian. Oh, do my do taxes. my taxes. Yeah. Or like you know, you're like, oh, you're a podcaster. Sound deep. Yeah. Like no one ever. Mm. It's just that comedians, we are always trying to constantly prove ourselves. It's dark because mm. n- no one ever sees our our art is so tied to us. No one can say, I, I like, you can say, I like this out, it's all song, but I don't like that out, it's all song. Mm-hmm. But people will say, Tiger Shida is not funny. Yeah. It's not that I didn't like this joke and I like this, mm. I'm not separated from the oh, jokes. Yeah. Yeah. It's you who is not funny. It's not that. Shh. I like this joke. I don't like it. it's. Uh, mm. There's no body of work that's appreciated. Mm. That I wrote this. I this this this. I wasn't doing too well here. It's mm. no, that guy is, is not is funny. Not funny. funny. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that the Kenyan approach to comedy is slightly different, right? Where do you see? Because obviously, what you've created with Punchline, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen it before. Yeah. But like, what's what's the goal for the comedic space in Kenya? I'm curious to know. Uh, for me, it's really about being able to realize and i think we're talking about this off camera is being able to realize that we've monetized every other art form in the world we've monetized everything the end goal for comedy in kenya is for us to be able to is is three-pronged i'm going back to what you're saying the three three of life life. (laughs) number one is for us to be able to create spaces that allow us to interrogate ourselves, like I said. Mm. It's very important for us to be able to interrogate ourselves. And what Ty said is that there's, in comedy, we can talk about all the things that we'd never really talk about. We can talk about sexuality Mm. and laugh at it, but then it sparks a conversation. Mm. 
So creating a space that can allow us to have those conversations is extremely important. And that's one of the things I feel like is where we're headed to. And we are already making good strides. Number two is that how are we able to monetize this? How are we able to make sure that the same way actors get paid, stand-up comedians can get paid mm. and they can live off it? Mm. Because and this is boring from conversations I've had with Ty, is that people believe that talent comes to you. So you don't work at talent. Mm. People just, oh, you're funny. That's a talent. People mm. don't see the work behind it. And so mm. there's no value attached to it mm. because it's like, ah, that guy is just funny. So just why should I pay you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if you talk to a doctor and you say, oh, I went to med school for six six years and then I did like basically an internship for a year or two, mm. then we monitor, like we are like, oh yeah, that guy deserves the salary that he gets. Mm. But when it comes to talent, you're an acrobat. You're like, oh yeah, that's, why are we paying this guy? This guy is mm. doing the thing. You can, anyone... Mm. So ideally, it's about being able to create enough opportunities for people to be able to earn. And when I talk about earn, I talk about a dignified wage. Mm. Mm. Something commensurate to what you do. like Because the amount of work that people put in. Ty will tell you this. Every single day, he sets aside time to write comedy. So when you ask this guy to host your wedding, to MC, uh, a baby shower or whatever... Mm you're not just paying for the day when he comes and tells jokes. You're mm. paying for the time he has spent curating that craft, crafting mm. it and making it. So that's very, very important. Mm. And finally, I feel as Kenyans and having traveled like across the world in many, many places, we are always, we are, I always say Nairobi is dead smack between the Western world mm. and what they call the, the global South. And that is because you can have the best Wagyu beef in, in the world in Nairobi. And 10 minutes later, you'll be stuck behind Maasai cows, like mm. on an expressway. Mm. From and, the, the source of the beef. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that tells you something. Our perspectives are so, so very different from any other Africans that there are. And mm. that's not me trying to like say, oh, buy Kenya, build Kenya. What I'm saying is our perspectives are informed by so much hope, so much mm. trauma, so much perseverance. There are people who wake up every day and sell pencils in traffic. And you ask yourself, even if this guy is living in a shack that is costing 3,000 shillings, how many pencils does, does he, he have, have to sell, sell yeah. for him to do that? And these are the stories that are amazing for us to be able to express. And so I feel like there's something very important for us as Kenyans, as Africans, to share with the world. And one of the best ways to share that is through comedy. That's my take on that. Yeah, I think with regard to the future, I... So, for the longest time, like whenever our, our scene would always be told we are too elitist, right? We, we mm. do, that. but then you realize the thing is, Kenyans. We always say we are a third world country with first world tastes, right? Mm. Like you'll see, yeah. you'll see a place where Kenyans don't want to see on TV who they are. Yeah. Mm. Like that guy wants to sell pencils and do it, but he wants to go and watch Dave Chappelle at the end mm. of the, you know, mm. like he he like so we make our music international. Our runners are going international, but we want our comedy to be dumbed down. Yeah, yeah. You see, like Kenyans are watching Kevin Hart, David Chappelle, and all those other people, mm. but you still want them to come when when they see me on stage. You don't tell them why, why are lawyers watchmen. You see, like it's mm. like why do you want me to dumb down at comedy? Mm. But when I'm getting there, so I feel one of the biggest vindications for me was when we we got to the show, the TMI show. When I got that phone call, like one day, and this girl was like, "Hey, this is Kevin. I'm the I'm the former writer for." for the daily show and i think you're going to be a perfect host for a show we want to do right mm. you know you guys are like yo bruv mm. new york miss j patasimu in new york you know it's like mm. in the sense that what eric's trying to say is like the world is watching kenya right mm. and you want to be on the cusp of that greatness whatever it is that you do i think being born in kenya is actually it has its problems but it's also a good thing right like you don't want to be born in benin you know <laughs> guinea bissau and, 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 and that's how the beef started and and, <laughs> and, 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 those, and nothing wrong with those people or that country just that you if you're going to be born in africa kenya is not a bad place to find yourself oh. so and and you need, we need to take advantage of that in the sense that you guys are podcasting you guys are like so the world is watching kenya in a space of we have those perspectives and then to know, okay, so what, what do you guys think? They were looking for something new. When Banner Boy said, when you go to the West, don't be them. Mm. They're looking for a fresh perspective, right? Mm. And people, I'm, I always tell don't share the way your Kenyanness yeah. about you. Like, there's something authentic about you 
work on it really hard let's amplify it but don't lose it yeah. so i'm saying with with stand up comedy what's happening with us is maybe eric and i and other people there we are paying the price of pioneership yeah. these are not too good we are still mm. with yeah. the machetes hacking yeah. but like for the guys who are in high school yeah. i want mm. us to be a place where it's okay to be smart mm. and, and be a comedian yes. right i don't want people to think that oh yo you got a d oh Have you thought about comedy? comedy. You know, like yeah. it's uh, you know like <laughs> like I want you know like yeah it's okay to 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 get an A and all those things and be like you know what, I want to be a comedian yeah yeah because yeah, now you know it's normally lawyer doctor engineer DJ comedian and so like no one is like I want to marry your daughter what do you do I'm a comedian yeah yeah no but also to that point one of the things that for me was really important when punchline was starting i was like kenyans are very intelligent people mm. unfortunately whenever we talk about jokes it was always the comedian would have to almost become a clown almost a jester mm-hmm. and i'm like humor is intelligent yeah yeah so why is it that we as a people who are very intelligent want court jesters mm. it is often the court jester that tells the emperor he has no clue it's true mm. however that makes him the smartest person in the room there it is mm. but at the same time when you think about it and especially let's say the like generation one of the comedians that we saw it was always people who dumbed themselves down so yeah. i play a character i wear a green suit mm. i'm foolish i'm i'm all of these things i speak in a funny way so that we cannot disassociate the character that you play from the person that you are when people meet tai in the streets they don't go oh you 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 funny th-. no it's this is tai and sure and he can have a mature conversation, conversation. with you mm. because his humor is addressing things in an intelligent way yeah. it's 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 basically being able to talk in a way that allows us to understand that that guy on stage is actually very very smart mm. and we have lawyers we have physicists we have engineers we have doctors we have all these people we have like financial analysts who come on stage yeah. and are able to tell jokes and for you to make people laugh they have to think mm. and for you to make people think, think you have to be smart enough and so for me what i is saying is that level of intelligence must still be associated with the arts yeah because a lot of the times we always feel the arts is the alternative for the people who didn't make it in in a maybe in a, mm. a professional setting as an accountant as a scientist mm. like mm. no Eric can you tell them what you lecture what you teach people oh uh, <laughs> why why would you do let that? them know yeah. Yeah. Said, no. uh um uh, uh, quantum mechanics please oh. explain to the to so, those of us you know well, <laughs> i'm just here yeah we are just here <laughs> <laughs> um there's there's there are particles in the world and they help us basically do different things. So if you want a car to move, you basically have a wheel and it's moving from one place to the other. But then we have very very small particles that make up the particles that we see. And that is basically on a quantum level. Mm. And so what I teach is mostly theoretical, but it's now starting to get applied. So when you talk about things like energy and you're seeing big leaps in lithium energy in uh, electric vehicles and that sort of thing. So that's what basically quantum mechanics is looking at is how do we make uh energy from the very smallest particles that we have around us mm-hmm. and yeah mr tegashira please do not be shy no, it's giving uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving energy it is senior counsel <laughs> please please give them your titles no 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 no, 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 no like the, the, one of the reason yeah. I, I, yes i i am I'm, i'm a lawyer That's no you're not a lawyer <laughs> no, the right title no, okay sawa sawa but no, before i get there the, at, at its core is uh-huh he's from a very sciencey background there it is yeah so because he's from very sciencey background he's very technical yeah mm-hmm. and the, the, the thing i'm trying to show is that yeah. you know if you're, when you're a lawyer you're an advocate all you're told is all you, all, all, <laughs> all, all you're told is like even, technically even lawyers for the smarter artistic people you know what i'm saying like you know what i'm saying like but you don't realize the the logic that could yeah. the logic required to to do like all those things that are required is a sense of like this is a brain that yes he can be this he can be this mm. but he chooses to be this. a comedian uh, right yes, a, a public philosopher at its call you know that mm. be a comedian is is mm. being a public philosopher well i i have some empathy for those guys who came before us the ones who had to be clowns mm. because they were under a regime that mm. if I, i had to pretend i was mad 
for 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 me not to be yeah. not not to yeah. be seen. I had, yeah. I had to tell like, ah, no, look at me. I'm just crazy. I'm just saying. Yeah. Is it now this our generation can be like, yo, this is my name. This is what I think about what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing is, comedians are not afraid to say I am wrong. Yeah. Mm. I could be wrong about an issue. Mm. We are not a uh, we are not your politician. Mm. Yeah. There are no. St- you could come and tell. You can you can come and say I I heard you, and I think you were wrong about this. Yeah. But when people. And the more offended people are, the more you know there's an element of truth yeah. in what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And mm. But let me tell you guys, I have not, let me tell you, I've shot this season, but yeah. this, this episode has oh been. Oh my God. <laughs> I, think, I think they say this. I think they say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Take it from me. This is my first time. Take it from me. Like, listen, we have a quantum mechanics professor. Come on now. And an advocate of the High Court of Justice. And all of Kenya Supreme Court. Yes. A judicial officer. Outstanding. As well as, you know, this man can tell you string theory yes but yes. what he has decided to do is yes. he is critiquing society every day on thursday on wednesdays on, on wednesdays, wednesdays now yes um with the punchline comedy club is this like two grapes two grapes yeah, yeah. Uh, every like you have this opportunity it's because yeah, i honestly f- i honestly think i honestly think we won't have you guys for long this is and, and I was, what did i say when i said when we, when we were asking you guys to come i said yeah. we need to get them now, now because, because we won't have you guys for no, long no 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 um yeah. I, I have I, I hope you're talking promotions not assassination you won't be here for long no we won't have you like to be honest um you guys have it exactly right um I, I honestly, I've been mind blown by this podcast. And mm. if you've been watching this on video, you've just been seeing my reactions and just how much fun I've been having learning from and listening to yeah. you guys. Yeah. I'll head on to the last question just in the interest of time because mm. we could talk about kind of, we could pick your brains on social issues for the whole day. And mm. I feel like we've covered everything. Mm. Um, but I just want to know from each of you, what is that one piece of content, that one video, that one quote that kind of transformed who you are, who you are then into who you are now? Mm. And... Just share that f- to the audience for their benefit, because I feel like you're two highly intelligent, highly functional people. Mm. Just please share that with us. Mm. Okay, well, um, if, you know, quotes is hard because it's mm. like, ah, I should have said this one. This one, like, ah, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. It could this be a like, book, yeah, a movie, just oh, a okay. piece of content. Uh, yeah. Book-wise, um, there's a book I always talk about wherever I go. It's called The War of Art mm. by a guy called Stephen Pressfield. Many people know the art of war. Mm. Right? Yeah. So, Sansu, so. Yeah. But then, yeah. I, there's one called The War of Art, and the guy calls Stephen Pressfield. And for him, he says that um, any great thing you want to do, once you get that spark, the next immediate thing you get is something called resistance. And resistance is a force that, have you ever wanted to write or have a good idea about the podcast, and you're about to implement it, but you said, you know, let me wash the house first. Mm. Like the most mundane of things, yeah. resistance prays as either I'm going to to be, I want to watch the house, a fear, or there's a, there's a, whenever greatness is about to, to happen. happen in your head, yeah. there's always a resistance that comes, uh, doubt, just some random, ah, but mm-hmm. you know, can, uh, that socket is off. Like something that will mm-hmm. just have mm-hmm. to justify why I'm not going to take this next step. Yeah. And so for him, he talks about resistance, but the, the one thing he says is, don't wait for like inspiration. Let inspiration find you. Or on, on the way, right? Like, let's say if I want to write jokes, I can't wait for when I have good ideas mm. for me to write jokes. Yeah. It's me sitting down and saying, I have a blank piece of paper. Let me write what I thought about today. Today it might come, today it might not come. Mm. But something he calls the muse will honor you in the sense that my tools of trade are here. Muse, please. You see, it's, it's, you can only th- three things that you can function out of. It's like your mindset, right? Your skill set and your tools. That are the only things you have that are in control of you, right? So if I fix my mindset, I make my skill set better and I can get more tools as I accrue things. Generally, I'll be good. You can't control things outside of you, right? Mm-hmm. But as Aloy Black says, be a king when kingdom comes. Like my work is just be a king. Mm-hmm. I don't know when kingdom is coming, but it shall find me ready. ready. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Open up. I, 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 I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> I, I don't know how to follow that. I think, I, I think for me, it's something, and this is something I learned from Ty, is that hard work beats talent yeah. every single time. Yeah. And that's incredible because that's something that I've had so very many times. But the one thing that um, I always say to like my friends, I always say to my students and everything, is that being able to listen, mm. they say wisdom, uh, knowledge talks, wisdom listens being able to just listen 
and that's not i'm not even talking about just like people advice or whatever just even the environment around you mm. when you think about it we've reached a point in this world where we just don't stop and listen mm. and that's one of the most amazing things that we have to just being able to listen listen to our gut feeling listen to the universe listen to whatever you believe in listen to someone else okay. you may not have to take the advice but just listen mm. so those two things when basically knowledge is talking wisdom is listening mm. and number 2 is hard work will beat talent every single time and the people i've seen make something of themselves mm. are the people who always put the work in my god jeez that jeez let's let's let's, let's leave it right right, right there. there right there actually one more thing uh, i have a joke oh god oh god don't tell us <laughs> a quantum mechanics professor in a <laughs> <laughs> walk into a bar walk into walk a bar <laughs> <laughs> That is my joke. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there. Okay. Yeah. Um, Technically, the bar walks into the bar. Then yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn it! God damn it! God damn it! Yeah. Uh, guys, I really, really hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I thoroughly right. enjoyed it, and I hope you got a new appreciation for the art of comedy. Um, these guys uh, are running Punchline Comedy Comedy Club, which is at Two Grapes every Wednesday. We really recommend you go and check it out if you want to laugh. I remember at one point. I was having one of the worst weeks and I text you saying, yeah. "Yo, I didn't end up coming by the way. Sorry." Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um I was, so I was having one of the worst weeks and I said like the first thing I thought was I need to go to Punchline. Um it's one of the best releases. Uh it's it's a lot of fun. So I recommend you if you're in Nairobi. Sorry if you're not in Nairobi if you're around the world, but yeah. if you're in Nairobi, Punchline Comedy Club. The link will be below so you can check it out. But yeah. um I hope you've you enjoyed the podcast half, half as much as we enjoy making it because we if have If I can all. say something is yes. like our content is all over the place. I think you have Punchline Comedy Club now ruby on youtube uh oh, like so yeah. even if you're across the world you can enjoy that yeah, uh if yeah. i can plug in a show that's upcoming please, please. Have, plug everything please. we have a new show coming up yeah. for like uh the next generation of comedians coming up is going yeah. to be the 17th of uh september saturday at right. two grapes the uh, new school it's called the new school nice. uh it's all the new comedians basically guys who've started in the last year or so yeah. uh basically introducing those so the ties have now become generation two now we have wow. the third generation fourth generation coming up mm. and it's a great time time for you to come and see the next big names but also it's a great opportunity for them to feel the support and know that the hard work that they've been putting in is being recognized yeah. so tickets are a thousand shillings uh, we yeah. have all details on punch comedy club on instagram yeah. uh, everywhere you can just Yeah, if if yeah. you come out that would be really great link in description them, yeah. link in description be, yeah. there'll be a link we'll put the link in the description yeah. to purchase yeah. a ticket yeah. um yeah. and we'll try yeah. our best to make sure it airs on that day yeah man yeah thank you gentlemen for cool. your time uh, thank you. You anything to plug um um no i'm just saying yeah um, you could stop me on the street with some money yo you can get a joke you know, <laughs> like <laughs> life experience is better you know yeah, there we go no but honestly i feel like we've said everything we need to say yeah, yeah. amazing amazing gents yeah. thanks for your time and guys check us out next week here on man talk Okay, e. Boom. Shall I like subscribe? There we go. There we go.